Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? So now before we officially dive in to that magic, I want to extend an invitation to some of you who are avid listeners of the podcast, who love the content that I create and you really resonate with the work that I do and the things that I teach. And you're feeling somewhere inside of your body that you want to take things to the next level. You want to not just be reading books and listening to podcasts, but you want to start creating tangible change in your reality. You want to take a little leap towards your desire. You want to take a quantum leap towards maybe a big dream. One of the ways or one of the next steps that you could take is to join my monthly membership, Orgasmic Ascension. Now, don't be put off by the name if you are someone of those people who feels like a little bit weird talking about sex and stuff like that. There is an aspect of that, but this membership and this sisterhood is for any woman who is awakening, any woman who wants to explore spirituality, but maybe you feel intimidated. Maybe you're not sure what resonates for you yet. Maybe you're not sure where to start. The membership is an amazing space if that's you because you can dive into all these different themes and you can find what really lands for you and you can leave what doesn't. And the best part about Orgasmic Ascension is that you get to do really deep, amazing healing work at the most affordable price that you could ever do this work because I do monthly breathwork ceremonies in Orgasmic Ascension. And these are really, really, really powerful. Now, you'll hear me in many episodes and on my Instagram talk about how I am obsessed with getting to the deep roots of what holds people back, right? So a lot of other coaches just use coaching techniques and they just talk or therapists just do talk therapy. But I really want to get down into the, the juicy, juicy, juicy roots of the problems, of the barriers, of the things that hold you back. And one of the ways that I do that is through breathwork. It's one of the most powerful modalities and methods that allows you to get down into the very cells of trauma, of pain, of past imprints that manifest in patterns that no longer serve you, right? So it's not surface level, it's deep, 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 deep layers of the work. And I do these ceremonies monthly in Orgasmic Ascension in the group, and they're really, 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 really powerful. 
So we also do these masterclasses every month on the new moon. We manifest together. I give you meditations and assignments and rituals and book recommendations. You honestly get so much prosperity in the monthly membership. It's almost a little bit crazy, but I love it. And I love this community and I would love some of you to join us in it. The doors are always open. You can check out the different membership options the monthly membership, you can leave anytime. The annual membership, you get a big abundant discount. So come and check it out. Check out the link in the show notes and feel free to DM me on Instagram if you have any questions, if you're wondering if it's right for you and listen to the call of your intuition if it feels right. Let's dive into this episode now. So excited for you to listen and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey, George, how are you, my love? Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, so good to have you. So let's dive in. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and share about the beauty and magic and what you do? So my name is George Lizos. I'm a spiritual teacher, intuitive, the author of Be the Guru and the number one best-selling Lightworkers Gotta Work. My purpose is to help lightworkers and empaths to find, follow, and fulfill their life purpose. And I do this using various different tools. I do past life regressions. I work with the elementals and nature beings. Uh, I teach a lot about psychic protection and psychic skills. Amazing, George. And uh, at the end of this podcast, we're going to actually share a little bit of a past life regression that you're doing with me, which is going to be really interesting. Um, But on the subject of lightworkers, I am a light worker. You are a light worker. But what is a light worker for somebody who doesn't know that term, who isn't familiar with that? So, in general terms, a light worker is anyone who has this calling of making the world a better place simply by being in it. So, from this sense, anybody can be a light worker. A light worker. However, in my new book, Light Workers Gotta Work, that comes out August nineteenth. I introduce, I coined a new term of light workers called Ascension Light Workers. Now, Ascension Light Workers are a special group of light workers that have, are coming in and have come into this planet over the past few decades for the purpose of ascending the vibration of the planet, of upgrading the software, the frequency of the planet, so to speak. And it feels like what we're going through right now, like at the time of this recording, we're going through the coronavirus pandemic. It feels like it is like a, a wake-up call for so many light workers to stop just playing around and to get really clear on what their life purpose is, get consistent action towards it so that together we can start creating the world. So an ascension light worker is this mature old soul that has this unique calling and purpose to come in and fulfill their own purpose for the purpose of ascending the vibration of the planet. So it goes away from the personal sphere and more into the global sphere of creating change. So that is the main difference between ascension light workers and like common light workers, which is not common, but you get what I mean. So this is the um, the concept that I wanted to bring into a light workers gotta work as a, a call to action. I don't know about you, but when I work with people and I ask them, "What's your life purpose?" They're like, "Oh, my life purpose is to help people heal and to help make the world a better place." And I'm like, "Duh, <laughs> that is our collective life purpose. Our specific life purpose is way more specific than that." And 
you know what? The world won't change sitting in meditation pillows all day long. The world changes when we get really specific and get to work as to that life purpose. So we get to create the beautiful, ascended, loving, kind world that we're here to create. Amazing. Amazing. And I think what a pertinent moment in time for us to be talking about this. So how does somebody know that they're a light worker? How does someone know that they're an ascension light worker? Would there be clues? Would there be an inner knowing? How does one define that? Yes, there are two main clues. The first clue is from a very young age, you've had this sense of, ah, I want to do something for the world. Like whenever I talk to light workers, I share like this experience that I've had as a child, which I feel so many people have it as well. Like the first image I have of myself is not a kid playing with their friends. I see myself in the middle of a field of yellow daisies, like looking up at the sky and wondering, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? So Ascension light workers have had this urge to help create change from a very young age. So that's something that keeps coming up more intently. And the second characteristic that sets you apart as an Ascension light worker is that you feel that you have a strong sense of purpose that goes beyond the physical, personal sphere and extends, as I said earlier, into the collective sphere. So light workers' purpose has to do with helping create a bigger change in the world. Yes, it has to do with supporting us personally as well, but it's way more than that. So these are the two main clues that can help you understand whether you're an ascension light worker. Incredible. So I imagine there are a lot of people who really identify with what you just shared, but are not engaging with the light work, who are not engaging with their purpose, who are in a job maybe that doesn't light them up or, you know, they've got other obstacles in their life. Maybe they are weighed down by responsibilities and they just never kind of got to that point of stepping into that light work, into that purpose. So what do you see as the biggest obstacles that prevent people from really activating and igniting their purpose on this planet? Not balancing their masculine and feminine energies and specifically the divine masculine energy. Now, a claim that I make in Lightworkers Gotta Work is that for the divine feminine to truly rise, the divine masculine needs to rise as well because the two are two sides of the same coin. When you really truly balance feminine energy, it's also masculine because when you're in this state of receiving guidance, then you're receiving guidance about action steps that you're supposed to take. So this balanced feminine energy comes with masculinity as well. If not, it's just procrastination, okay? At the same time, when the divine masculine is activated, it's not hassle. It's not just pushing yourself and being a masochist. It's inspired action. It comes from this feminine idea of receiving guidance in intuition, with your intuition while in meditation or visualizing, and then doing something with that guidance. So I feel the biggest obstacle has to do with light workers not embracing the divine masculine energy. We live in a spiritual world that idolizes a divine feminine. I mean, rightfully so, but at the same time, um, vilifies the divine masculine because patriarchy has existed for the past 6,000 years, even more. And during this time, the divine masculine was glorified, the divine feminine and the feminine aspects of it were suppressed 
and we created this abusive patriarchal world. And light workers, especially ascension light workers over the past few decades, have been feeling this need to help bring the divine feminine into the world because it is the energy that's most missing. So for so many years, we've worked collectively as light workers, whether we've identified with the term or not, to bring upon this ascension, this rising of the divine feminine. And we've done so to a great extent, but we still have a lot, a whole lot more work needed to help bring the divine feminine to the same position as the divine masculine. However, because we've been, um, we have all these past life memories of being suppressed by patriarchy, of having our feminine energy be smothered by those patriarchal structures, we are afraid of masculine energy. So we freeze in this lifetime and we're like, nope, I'm going to reject the masculine completely. I'm solely going to focus on the feminine. And then we have quotes such as the future is female, <laughs> God is rising, and we're forgetting about the God, we're forgetting about masculine energy. And it's all about meditating all day long and expecting our vibration to change the world, which it won't. <laughs> So mm -hmm. what needs to be done, in my opinion, is we need to go back to those past lifetimes, identify all the ways we've been abused by patriarchy and really forgive them. And really also understand that there were past lives where we've been the abusers of masculine energy and we've also been the abused. So by having this understanding, we get to forgive the divine masculine, realize the divine masculine is not the bad guy the way we've abused it is. And therefore, as light workers, it is our responsibility to teach ourselves and the world on how to use masculine energy in a healthy way that supports the rise of the mass of the feminine. Mm -hmm. And that's how we bring the two together. So I feel this is the biggest obstacle that light workers are facing. They're focused too much in the feminine. They end up procrastinating, over-depending on the universe for support, rather than accepting the divine masculine, seeing it as a positive energy that, that's been abused by patriarchal forces, and then starting to use it in a positive way. So in Lightworkers Gotta Work, I divided the book into four parts. The first part is all about finding your life purpose, which is very important. Second part is about nurturing your light and therefore your feminine energy. Then it's about working your light, therefore your masculine energy. And then it's about protecting your light, which goes into energy protection. But the essence is we're doing practical, we're taking practical action steps to both activating the feminine and the masculine. Because you know what? It's not enough to just activate those energies in a meditative state. You, it has to be practical. It has to be what you're doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting, this polarity that you have kind of with like the mainstream world and then the spiritual world in the sense that mainstream world still values the masculine, not necessarily divine masculine, but sometimes unhealthy, non-divine masculine, doing, yes. pushing, measuring, logic, yeah, like overpowering, dominating. And then you've got the spiritual world, which is trying to reclaim that feminine, but sometimes goes to the other yes. extreme of like, no, you know, just going to meditate, just going to get lost in my feelings, just going to like only operate from feelings and have no integrity. What I'm hearing is that the juicy bit is finding the communion between the two, yes. leveraging the beauty of the doing and the action and the integrity and holding the safe space and being grounded and also the receiving and being in your emotions and allowing 
your feminine essence and your creativity to also have space and to occupy space. So as with all things in life, it's probably just one of those metaphors again of like balance is where it's at. It's like, how do we balance the divine masculine and the divine feminine? 100%. And you know what, Amy, I want to share with you the story of how I came to realize that because it's related to the past life regression we're going to do later on. And because it was a past life regression that helped me understand this on a, at a very deep level. So the way my spiritual path started, so I grew up in Cyprus, a very small island, small community, at a time where homosexuality was like illegal, it was persecuted, it, like gay people were considered to be pedophiles and criminals. So wow. as a kid, like, you know, I was this kind of like, a weird kid looking up at the sky, wondering why I'm here. And I was always like, I stood out from the crowd. I was not your typical kind of boy. So from a very young age, it created this sense of, I have to fit in. I have to change myself to make myself accepted in a society of stereotypes. Now, as a result of that, I was bullied a lot. So fast forward to the time when I was 13 years old, that's when I realized I was gay. And I'm like, there's no way I will accept this label on top of the other labels that I have on me. I will never make it in society. So I will do what I've always done best. I will change myself from gay to straight one step at a time. And that was when I entered the two most debilitating years of my life where I tried to monitor the way I walked, the way I talked, the way I thought, trying to turn myself straight. And two years later, when I could not change who I was born to be, feminine, again, that's a feminine, I was suppressing my feminine aspect as well by patriarchy, by that masculine energy. I thought, okay, I'm like, I'm a human abomination. There's no point in existing. I'm just going to take my life. There's no point. And it was that suicide attempt at the age of 15 years old that thankfully, like I had an epiphany in that moment. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck what people think. Fuck society. I'm going to learn to love and accept myself. That's what saved me. But that was my first experience of patriarchy and the abuse of masculine energy, uh, suppressing feminine energy. Now, after that, eight years later, I wrote my book, Be the Guru, which was all about my journey of accepting myself and all that. I'm like, great, I escaped patriarchy. Masculine energy is no longer controlling me. All is well. And yet, at the age of 24, Five, yes, at 25, I was in London working a full-time job for three years while building my spiritual business part-time, which meant that I worked nine to five. Then I would come home, work from 7 p.m. After like a short break, I would work until midnight. And then I would do the same thing the following day for three years. At the same time, all my weekends were dedicated on building my business. So in essence, I had no time for myself, no time for my friends. I basically had no life. It was all work, work, work. Until I woke up one morning intending to go to work, but my body just wouldn't move. I had exhausted my body to the point that it just gave up on me. And that's when I realized, fuck, like masculine energy, it is still controlling me in such a subversive way that it, I hadn't realized it. I had gained 15 kilos. I had a serious case of eczema and psoriasis on all my, my body. And in retrospect, I know now that I was mildly depressed. So that's when I realized I thought I had escaped the patriarchy, but it's still controlling me. So I did 
whatever I do every time I wanted guidance, I went to Glastonbury. <laughs> I, went to, <laughs> I went to Glastonbury. And you know what? At the same time, whenever I, was, oh, I did a past life regression, I saw myself being a prostitute. And I'm like, what's up with all those prostitute past lives? Like something's there. But I couldn't like find out myself because I was too much in my head. I knew I wanted, to, I, like, I had to get someone to give me a past life regression. So I go to Glastonbury and, and I book a past life regression with Atasha Five, who was the Hay House author of a book called Magical Past Lives. Sadly, she passed away last summer. So I went to Atasha, she regressed me to the past life, and of course, I went back to the first past life that I had uh, incarnated as a prostitute. And what happened is um, one of, I, I went pregnant with one of my clients. And when I explained that to him, he stopped me in the womb, killing the baby. Therefore, symbolically and literally taking away my feminine energy. So we have a masculine energy killing feminine energy. So wow. from that lifetime onwards, I made a karmic contract to keep rejecting feminine energy and to keep abusing masculine energy because that's what I experienced. So mm -hmm. lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, I would experience something like that until in this present lifetime, I try to take my own life again, that womb kind of situation, take my own life because I was too feminine by being gay. And then years later, it was still trying to kill me by through overwhelm, through, through um, overwork and through masochism and just hassle. So I come out of the past life regression. I'm like, okay, I need to embrace the divine feminine. I go, to, <laughs> I go to the goddess temple right across the street and I rush inside. I find the priestess. I'm like, I need to embrace the divine feminine. How do I do it? She's like, the way they explain to me, like become a priest to the goddess, the Celtic goddesses. And I'm like, okay, whereas I do appreciate the Celtic goddesses, I am Greek. I don't really relate that much. So I wonder if I can find something related to the Greek gods and goddesses. And you know how the universe works. Go back to um, the little room I had rented in Glastonbury. I searched online and there was the first ever priest, priesthood training to the Greek gods happening in Athens two months later. So I book my flight, I go to Athens and I train and became a priest to the Greek gods and goddesses. But what I found out, their way of working with the gods and goddesses is very different from the new age, which is just goddess, goddess, goddess. They're like, no, it's God and goddess. On the altar, you need to have both because they exist together. So there was not even an option of just working with a goddess or just working with a god. It had to be balanced. And that's when I realized everything about the ancient Greeks was all about maintaining this balance, this beauty in architecture, in their way of life, in medicine, and also in spirituality. And at the same time, I heard... George, you're supposed to find the feminine from within the masculine. And that's when I realized maybe I shouldn't try to sub start suppressing the masculine right now and I should start really heal the masculine, embrace the masculine and merge it with the feminine. And that's when, after I went to Athens, I had the epiphany, quit your job, move to Cyprus, go self-employed. This is how you manifest this balanced lifestyle in your life. And here I am, Amy, three years later, I've lost the 15 kilos, no eczema, I'm the happiest I've ever been, and my life is pretty balanced because I spend three hours every single morning like doing feminine work before I start working.
So just the story, and I know it's a long story, but I feel it truly encapsulates um, what this balance, uh, how, it, how it translates in a practical way. And that's what I aimed to create when I wrote Lightworkers Gotta Work. Amazing, amazing. Such a powerful story with so much detail and magic and struggle and strength within it. So why don't we talk about the difference between the unhealthy manifestation of masculine energy and the divine masculine? Because I think that's probably one of the number one questions that I get asked about, like what's the difference between unhealthy and healthy? How do we start to harness that middle ground? So what is the distinction between unhealthy masculine energy and divine masculine energy? Mm. So when the masculine energy is abused, it comes forth as ego guidance and forced action rather than inspired. So all, and we don't need to like analyze it too much. We only have to look at the world around us, which is all about hassle, like putting the work, no pain, no gain, like, <laughs> like money doesn't fall off the trees. Like all this is the abuse of masculine energy. It's that idea, the way it expresses when we follow our life purpose, it is what I call ego guidance, which I contrast to inspired guidance, which is like the, the, the healthy side of, of masculine energy. So it's when the guidance we receive does not feel good. When it doesn't feel good, that tells you instantly it's not coming from a place of connectedness to source and to your inner being, and it's coming from a place of ego. And ego is usually connected to that masculine energy. So in other words, abuse of masculine energy is about hassle, it's about overwork, it's about masochism, it's about aggression, it's about like the unhealthy way of perfectionism, it's about rigidity, it's about being structured, but like not allowing, not giving yourself permission to move out of specific structures. It's about compartmentalizing in thinking in a very like linear way and not giving yourself permission to trust your intuition. Whereas on the other hand, the divine masculine energy is feminine by itself in nature because it is inspired guidance. It makes you feel good. It, it is inspired action step that also, that's also balanced with feminine work of nurturing your intuition and visualizing and praying and doing yoga and resting. I, I say to my clients that rest, resting is as productive as working. Mm -hmm. Because when you rest, that's when you receive all these guidance about the action steps you need to take. So this is how the divine masculine is um, it's more healthy. And in the book, I talk about what working your life really means because it's become such a buzzword. And people have related to um, working your light to, oh, meditating, so I'm working my life. No, that's nurturing <laughs> your light. <laughs> You meditate, you're nurturing your light. When you're visualizing a disadvantaged group of people and you're sending them healing energy, that's nurturing your light. Working your light is doing podcasts, filming videos, is writing books, is taking part in peaceful demonstrations, it's campaigning for what you believe in, it's writing articles, it's practical, physical action steps that are inspired. Again, here's how it's divine masculine and not an abuse of masculine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So it's that balance of the nurturing and the going within so that you can then go externally and take action, but action that is aligned and centered yes, and from absolutely. source. Yeah. 
Got it. Awesome. Um, And I'm noticing that a lot at the moment with this current collective pause that we're experiencing with COVID-19. I thought that I was really resting quite a lot before that. I thought I really was nurturing my feminine. I was doing my feminine rituals and I wasn't pushing as hard as what I used to. But what I've really seen is like with the cancellation of so many things, my, and, you know, I was meant to go to Australia as well, so my diary was clear and then I did, obviously couldn't go. And it was like, oh, no, this is actually the space to slow down and to receive. And now I have clarity on a ton of different actions that I'm now implementing, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't have had the space. But also if there's too much space and no action, then, then the energy starts to get lethargic and... Yes. Don't feel inspired, right? Because it's forced. It's forced guidance. I feel like globally right now, collectively, many of us are going through the feminine stage. So it's very important to just listen to our body. Some people are feeling like so motivated right now, so inspired to start taking action. Other people are going into the cocoon. They're going into the place of, okay, let's just be productive by resting and just really reconsider my priorities and receive guidance and allow things to flow through me. And then when I feel inspired, that's when I'm going to shift into work. The ego, therefore the, divine, the, the, the abuse, the patriarchy, will come in and tell us, no, you have so much free time right now. If you don't get out of this with a new skill, then you're not worthy. So this is what patriarchy is trying to tell us right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And so... Something I'd like to talk about as well, uh, something that I notice and I would love to hear if you notice this too, is that in the spiritual world, a lot of people are very much in their feminine energy and they're not always in their masculine so much. But I feel like that has been such an important part of me being self-employed and running a business is having the masculine energy because it helps me to actually create results And even just to create more money in the business so that I can reinvest that money into the things I want to do and how I want to help people and the courses I want to take and the things I need to outsource and all of that stuff. But I think that it's so important to have the balance. So how can someone who is spiritual and they really do identify with their feminine and they do their rituals, how can they start to practically integrate the masculine if that doesn't come so naturally to them at the moment Hmm. the best way to do it first of all it all starts with this spiritual practice because when you go into the feminine okay the feminine energy and you align your energy to your to who you really are you instantly find balance because now let's explore this masculine and feminine as it as, as it works in the real world I mean, in nature specifically. So when you look at nature, it is naturally balanced in masculine and feminine energy. During the winter, it goes into the feminine state. It retreats. It sheds its leaves and comes into a state of preparation for spring and summer. And then when spring springs, then nature is like in full bloom, working, going into the masculine phase. We have to remember, we are part of nature too. So all we have to do is remember who we really are. And our spiritual practice, the time we take to connect to our divinity, to connect to our inner being, which is feminine in its energy, allows us to find that vibrational frequency, to find that alignment to who we really are. And when we find that alignment, we are instinctively inspired to know when to take action and when to rest. So just by being feminine, 
we are encouraged to also be masculine because that masculine is inspired from that femininity. The reason many people are sometimes abusing the feminine and they're therefore shifting into procrastination is because they haven't forgiven the masculine. So it's just a matter of shifting their mindset around what masculine energy is, not seeing it as something negative because they may have the inspiration, oh, right now I feel like writing a blog post or like moving forward and using masculine energy, but in instantly all their past life experiences and expectations are coming in to sabotage that by saying, oh, you know what, no. <laughs> like you may go into hustling mode and that's like instinctively, like intuitively, subconsciously, they're, they're thinking this is bad, like action is bad. So they're suppressing that side of them. Mm -hmm. Now, so this is a more spiritual way to approach it. A more practical way that I talk about in Lightworkers Gotta Work is arranging and really planning your days, your weeks, and your months so that they're practically balanced in feminine and masculine aspects. For example, because as a person, I'm naturally more masculine in my energy, I have to schedule in feminine time. If I don't schedule it, I don't do it. I just go straight into work. So I'm working with myself to do that. If some, someone who is um, feminine in their energy and therefore they're procrastinating a little bit more they're abusing their for feminine energy they can start scheduling something masculine in their day so it can be as simple as planning your day in advance so that I know in the morning I'm going to have three activities that are going to be nurturing my life that are going to be all about feminine energy I'm going to meditate I'm going to pray I'm going to do some journaling then I have to do an equal amount of free activities all about following my life purpose. I'm going to write a blog post. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to film a video. And then you do this for your weeks as well. You ensure that you have an equal amount of days and times where you're working, inspired work at the same time, but at the same time that you're giving yourself a chance to recalibrate your energy. And you can do this with your months and you can do this with a year. Like I have a, an entire calendar, world calendar in my world where I plan my year in advance, like, like in the big chunks of like the energy spaces of the year to ensure that I'm both masculine and feminine in my approaches. In this way, we ensure that we're not like chilling and we're really like working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the same way that we know that in order to stay healthy, we need to work out a certain amount of times per week and eat a certain amount of greens and we kind of um, categorize and schedule in that way yes. it's doing the same for our masculine and feminine energies absolutely 100 percent. yeah and so how do we start to define whether we are more masculine or feminine if we're unsure does our astrology affect this is it multiple different things is our life experiences like how do you put the pin in that oh there's so much that we can use to identify these, like how these energies manifest within ourselves. Uh, I mean, astrology can inform that, our, um, our Enneagram type can inform that. There are so many different personality systems we can use to ascertain. I feel that we are born, um, we're born balanced, but we, we are born with also a proclivity to either side. For example, Leos tend to be more into their masculine energy naturally, even though when we come into our healthy state, we're balanced will always like enjoy a little bit more the masculine energy. So that therefore fire signs tend to be like that. Uh, water signs tend to be more feminine in their energy as well. So that can inform this as well. Now, a more practical way to really figure out like, 
in a single day, if you're mostly masculine or feminine, is tracking uh, your activities in a time calendar. So what I like to do, and I, I give my clients, is for a day, whatever activities you do, I want you to journal about them. By journaling, I mean just noting like what you do like, like hour after hour. So let's have a, right now I'm filming a podcast with Amy. I'm going to be like, okay, from, from two to three filming of podcasts. And then everything you do, you just keep um, a note about it. And then at the end of the day, you go back and you put an M or an F next to those activities, masculine or feminine. And then you can tell, okay, I've worked my ass off today. I really need to like be more feminine in my energy. I only meditated for 15 minutes and then it was just work, 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 work. So this way, you know, you're more masculine. Oh, you'd be like, okay, I spent three hours out in nature. I meditated for two hours. <laughs> I cooked for about three more hours and I worked for 15 minutes. Hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not really like working here. I'm like chilling. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk about psychic protection because I know that you love to talk about this yes. and I know that it's been so important for me and I've learned the hard way certainly um, about protecting my energy and protecting myself from psychic attack and infiltration from other energies, especially when you're working with those layers of energy with people and trauma and things like that. So what is psychic protection on its basic level and why do we need it so much, particularly as light workers? Mm. Now, in Lightworkers Gotta Work, part four is all about psychic protection. And the reason I included an entire part on ways we can use to identify like energy attachments, clear them, and also shield ourselves is because to really work our light and therefore to follow our life purpose and fulfill our life purpose, we need to be fully authentically ourselves. And when we do not clear our energy and we don't know how to protect our energy, then we are being vulnerable to other energy attachments that are preventing us from being in alignment with who we really are. So at the very basic form, the way I define psychic or energy protection is being authentic energetically as well as just knowing that. Because think about it. We are human beings who have an aura and our aura both, both sends and receives energy. So it's like a sponge. So if it's not protected, as we are working through life, we are absorbing different energies and feelings and thoughts from other people, from other spirits, from other spaces. Unless we clear those energy attachments, then we are living other people's lives. We're thinking other people's thoughts. We're feeling other people's emotions. Therefore, we're not fully aligned to who we really are. Therefore, we're not fully following our life purpose. And therefore, we're preventing ourselves from following our purpose and our collective purpose of ascending the vibration of the planet. So this is what psychic attack is. Why it's so important, one of the reasons I just explained, but also many people ask me, uh, George, by protecting my energy, aren't I giving attention to fear? Aren't I like attracting it in some way? I'm like, if you're possessed with it and about it, yes, you are. But would you not put clothes on to go out if it's colder specifically? And would you walk out in a dark street in the middle of the night by yourself? Would you not want to protect yourself by staying inside? Or would you set a weak password on your computer because you don't want to give power to fear? No. 
from the same perspective, why don't you put on your energy code before you get out too to protect yourself from negative energy? Of course, our belief trumps everything. So if we believe 100% that we cannot be attacked by other people's energy, then we cannot be attacked. And that belief is uh, our biggest energy protection tool. But really, do we truly believe that? I mean, because most people do believe in some form of psychic attack or energy attachment or other people's energy affecting them, then it's harder to deprogram that belief rather than it is to work with your belief and learn how to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I see this happen all the time, particularly on my retreats when we do cord cutting exercises and meditation they cut the cords with different individuals in their lives and then out of the blue that person will suddenly message them because they feel them energetically pulling away and there's an attachment there. So when you see things like that or you experience things like that, you really do start to realise like, okay, wow, we're so connected to each other and sometimes those connections are not things that we want to be connected with. They're things that we've picked up or other people who are jealous of us that have attached their jealousy to us. So it's crazy what you can carry around. So how do we start to actually clear that? How do we keep our aura energetically clear? How do we keep our channels healthy and still open, but protected from energy that we don't want? Great. So in Lightworkers Gotta Work, I introduce a three-step process to clearing our energy. Firstly, it's identifying what's there. And I have a meditation about turning on your psychic vision, your 360-degree vision, so you can look at your aura and like see what's there. So that's step number one. Step number two is you have to clear everything before you go to step number three, which is shield. Because so many people just shield before clearing. And when you shield before clearing, you're shielding all the stuff inside <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than protecting yourself from it. So after you've identified, so in the book, I have like meditations, downloadable meditations as well with the elementals. I like to work with the elementals a lot for space clearing because I believe that all the answers we seek are found in nature. And we, when we work with the nature spirits, the dragons, the mermaids, the unicorns, then we can experience that same transformation that exists in nature within our own personal space as well. So an exercise that I talk about in the book is working with the fire dragons. Now, the fire dragons are elementals of the element of fire. They're real, like nature beings. And when you call upon their energy, even if you don't have fire around you, just like with your intention, you can ask your personal dragon guide to blow etheric fire all through your body and through your aura to burn away all that negative energy you've identified. So that's a quick process. And in the book, I explain it in step-by-steps and I include the link to download the meditation as well. And then when it comes to shielding, again, I have a few processes, but my favorite one is working with the unicorns. Uh, unicorns are elementals of the element of spirit. They know our true essence and our true vibration. And they have a very high vibrational light that they channel called the rainbow ray or the diamond ray. It's a high vibrational, high dimensional rainbow light that raises the vibration of anything it comes into contact with. And what the rainbow ray does is it raises your vibration so you're not a match, a vibrational match to negativity because you can only attract 
anything, you're in vibrational match too. So if your vibration is low, that's only and then that's only then where you are vulnerable to psychic attack and energy attachments because you're vibrating at that lower frequency. When you raise your frequency, on the other hand, then you can only attract like people, experiences, and energy attachments from that high vibrational frequency. So by asking your unicorn spirit guide to shower you with the rainbow ray, then you create this high vibrational shield around you that prevents any negativity from coming to you because you're simply not much to it. So mm -hmm. these are three easy steps we can all use to just maintain our uh, energy hygiene a little bit more. Amazing. That's really interesting. When I meditate, I see a rainbow uh, beam come through the center of my awareness. That's it. Oh, and my friend Hannah said to me the other day, Hannah Wallace, who I yes. think you know. We're she, friends as well, yes. Yeah, she said, um, Amy, I've been seeing that unicorns are like around you in my meditation, in her meditations. And I, so that's just kind of like consolidating for me right now. I'm always like, why do I see a rainbow beam? Amy, that's <laughs> it. The rainbow ray comes in a single beam of light from the top through your body. Yeah, that's, that's, how it that's it. Yeah. That's how it manifests. That's a rainbow ray. So you've connected to it like intuitively. <laughs> but Yay! So, so that tells me you have a really strong connection with, uh, with your unicorns, with the unicorns, and you have a unicorn spirit guide that's doing that for you. Interesting. My husband has always called me his unicorn as well since we met. <laughs> so weird. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to call in the unicorn energy then. For anyone who wants to learn more about how to really kind of go deep with these tools and deeper into the work around divine masculine, working their light, protecting themselves and harmonizing those energies, where do they start? Should they come for past life regression? Um, are there other courses that you offer? Should they get the book when it comes out? Where do they start? So the easiest way to start is by getting the book. Now, the book comes out August 19th. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at George Lizos or um, my Facebook community, Your Spiritual Toolkit, where I share way more tools as well. Incredible. Awesome. It's been so amazing to have you on the show. And now we're going to share a segment from our past life regression. So if anyone listening and you, you're curious and you want to hear the crazy shit that I said um, and all of the past lives that we went into, then keep listening. Um, but for now, thank you, George, for coming on and sharing your light with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure and I'm so excited for everybody to check out the past life regression we did. Amazing. For those still listening who want to hear my past life regression, we have removed the first part of the session where George is spending some time weaving his magic, working his light on me, hypnotizing me, and we've cut straight to the segment where I am in a hypnotized state and he is exploring my past lives with me. Here we go. And you're experiencing a past life. I want you to look down on your feet and tell me what you can see. How do your feet look like? I'm trying to look down, but I feel a bit dizzy. <laughs> That's fine. Look around you and notice anything that comes up right now. It feels dizzy. How so? 
Um, <clears throat> just from the swelling. Um, mm. Breathe deeply. Let yourself situate into this past life. And go with the first sense of what it is that's coming up for you. I think I'm wearing gold shoes. Mm -hmm. Describe those shoes to me. They're ornamental. Mm -hmm. They don't look like they're comfortable. And they kind of curve up at the toe. Hmm. How come you're wearing them if they're not comfortable? They're, they're for show, they're fancy. Hmm. Do you enjoy them? No. Okay, why not? I enjoy the way they look, but I don't enjoy the way they feel. Hmm. So how come you're wearing them? I get, I get the sense that it's customary. Mm -hmm. Do you have to wear them? I think so. Hmm. What else can you see apart from the shoes? Now describe your, your clothes in general. How do they look like? Are they also customary? They, yeah, it, they're like, um, like um, Asian. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like a rope. Mm -hmm. Made of luxurious material. Mm -hmm. Do they look quite, so they, they are luxurious. So do you live in luxury as well? I think so. Mm -hmm. How about your body? What is your gender? Female. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you look? How are your facial characteristics or your body? I think I'm Chinese. Mm -hmm. What color is your hair? Black. Mm -hmm. And is it quite short or long? It's up. Mm -hmm. If you could give an emotion, what emotion would you say you're feeling right now? Observant. Hmm. Of what? I'm standing in a square, hmm. looking 
at the people Mm-hmm. Are you, how old are you? Can you get a sense? Forty. Forty, okay. And what are you doing in this square apart from observing? What is your purpose there? I'm not working. I think I'm just going for a walk. Mm -hmm. Describe that square to me. What's going on? There's people sort of like in different distances with carts and trading. Mm -hmm. And just going about their day, different merchants, but I'm not one of them. Hmm. How do you feel about them, though? I feel curious about their life because hmm. it's not mine. It's not like mine. Hmm. Are you from that? Is it a town, a village, a city? What is it? I think it's a city. Hmm. So are you from that city? Do you live there? I think I rule there. Hmm. Tell me more about that. I'm important in some way. Mm -hmm. And I have power. Mm -hmm. How do people react to you when they see you right now in the square? Not in a negative way, but they can't relate. Hmm. Hmm. So I want you to move forward through that scene right now and go where you feel inspired to go. So where do you want to go? Tem to a temple. Okay. Go for it. And let me know when you get there. Yeah. Okay. So describe a temple to me. It's made of stone. Mm -hmm. The altar. Mm -hmm. And there's... Some sort of incense. And there's no one else in there. Mm. And it's quiet. Do you like it there? Yeah. Why did you choose to go there? 
Makes me feel like I'm not alone. Hmm. Who are you there with then if you're not alone? Who am I there with? Mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing now in the temple? I'm on my knees at the altar. Hmm. And what's going on? I'm sitting there and a bird flew in. Hmm. Does that mean something to you? I'm not sure, but it's nice. Hmm. You, you, you enjoy looking at it? Yeah, it's just sitting next to me. Hmm. Do you come often to the temple? Yeah. Okay. And you, you said you go there so you don't feel alone. Yeah. Do you usually feel alone? Yeah. Why? I think because I rule, I'm not allowed to see many people in yeah. a normal way. Hmm. Are you married? No. Or with someone? No, I don't think so. Hmm. Do you have any children? No. Mm -hmm. So who's your family? I think they're royalty. Mm -hmm. Are your parents with you at all or not at this stage? No. No, so it's just no blood family, but just the royalty. Yeah. Okay. And how do you feel about ruling and your status and who you are in this world? It's lonely. Hmm. If you could do anything, what would that be? Dance and perform. Mm -hmm. And have normal friends. Mm -hmm. In a normal life. Mm -hmm. Why would you like to do all these things? To live, to live a real life. Mm. And why don't you do that? 
Why don't you do the, all those things? Why don't you quit ruling and just go out and dance, perform, have friends? I feel like I'm trapped. Like I can't do that. I can't leave. I just have to be this person. What would happen if you left? I'd be retrieved, brought back. Hmm. I forgot to ask, what's your name? Jing. Okay. Jing. Perfect. And what is a date? What is a year? Four seven one. Four seven one. Yeah. Is that BC or AC? I don't know. Or AD. 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 Okay. In a moment, I will count from one to five. And when I reach number five, I want you to go to a significant moment in that lifetime. One, two, three, four, five. You're now in a different significant moment in that lifetime. Where are you and what's going on? At a wedding. Mm -hmm. Who's wedding? Mine. Mm -hmm. And who are you getting married to? I don't know. Can you see that person at all? Not his face. Hmm. Can you get a sense of that person in any way? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking down. Hmm. Why? I think <clears throat> I don't feel good and I think I have to. Hmm. Why don't you, don't you feel good? Don't want to be there. Why? I don't want to get married. Why? I'm not in love. Mm -hmm. So who makes you get married? I think it's arranged. Hmm. By whom? My family and this person's family. Hmm. And how old are you? 
15. 15. Okay, so that is before that first memory. Yeah. Which is very interesting because at 15, you got married. And then by 40, you were not married and no children. So what happened in between? What happened to your husband? I don't know. That's okay. Tell me about these wedding right now. So you're there. You don't want to be there. You look down. And you're supposed to be happy, but you're not. So what's going on? What's going on after that? Why is it so significant, this moment in your life? It feels... like I'm trapped like I don't have a choice I'll never have a choice Mm -hmm. Mm. so it sort of shows a continuity of your life of this state where At 15, you're forced to be married, feeling trapped. And then by 40, still, even though you don't have a husband, by 40, you're still feeling trapped by this system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at 15, if you could do anything right now, what would that be? If you could cancel the wedding and leave, what would you want to do? Okay like to have freedom and be able to try things and go places, Mm -hmm. meet people and pursue things that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in a moment, I will count from one to five. And when I reach number five, you will go to your moment of death in that lifetime. You'll be able to see things clearly. You won't be able to feel anything. Just get a sense of an emotion. One, two, three, four, five. You've just died. How did it happen? With a sword. Mm-hmm. So who did someone stop you with a sword? Yeah. Okay. Who was that? I think. Someone in the town, I think I I've left I left. Mm. I think I escaped. 
How old were you when you escaped? Forty-two. Mm -hmm. And so you escaped and you got caught. I think so. Mm -hmm. And describe to me the moment of the death. How are you feeling, first of all, when you escaped? Good. Mm. Scared, but excited. Mm -hmm. What was your plan? What did you want to, what were you going for? I think I just wanted to run away. Mm. Sounds like you were fed up by 42. You couldn't take it anymore and you just had to leave. Yeah, I just wanted to slip away. Mm -hmm. Did you know the person who killed you? I don't know if I know them but I think that they were sent to do it because mm. I escaped. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you get a sense of the exact location you are in China? And you'll probably not get a name, but you may get um, a direction, like north, south, east, west. We're surrounded by a lot of, like, rolling hills. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the sea is nearby. Mm -hmm. So maybe somewhere centrally. Okay. <clears throat> And coming back to the moment of death right now, looking back on your life now that you're dying or have just died, how do you feel? I feel peaceful. Mm. Why? I'm lying in the dirt and... I guess I'm finally free. Mm. Do you feel like you fulfilled your purpose in the lifetime? No, not at all. Do you feel like you found your happiness in the lifetime? No. So you kind of feel a little bit disappointed, but glad to be finally set free. Yeah, glad mm. that it's, it's over.
Yeah. So now I want you to visualize your spirit, spirit of Jane, just floating above that memory. So you're observing your dead body from above. While you're there, I want you to see your eternal self, the part of you that's not bounded by a physical body, the soul part of you, just coming and joining Jane, just facing each other. And maybe that's part of your present life spirit in there as well, as Amy facing Jane. And you, as you look into her eyes, you see uh, the disappointment, the fear, the feeling of being fed up. But at the same time, this sense of hope, this sense of, of excitement for the future she never got to live. And as you're looking into her eyes, I want you to assure her that all will be well. Instantly make her feel at peace. Make her feel heard because it feels like her entire life nobody truly heard her. Nobody truly gave attention to what she wanted to do, her hopes and dreams, her life purpose. So make her feel understood. Tell her, I'm here now. You can be yourself now. You can be free now. It's okay to be who you are now. And most importantly, tell her, you get a second chance, Jane. You get a second chance to get to live your life, to get to live your dreams and life purpose, because you get to live through me right now. You're no longer alone. You're truly free now, because right now, we're here together. Right now, you get to be resurrected and enter my body and live your life through me because we're the same because we are one and as you tell her that you see her face and her eyes especially lighting up with relief finally someone really took the time to understand her finally someone is listening to her and it's helping her live her best life. And there's even a smile right now popping up on her face, a smile of relief and gratitude. Now, in this moment, I want you to call upon a spirit guide to come in your presence, both of you right now, it could be an angel, an archangel, it could be an ascendant master, a god or a goddess. Who do you want to bring in? I'll bring in my spirit guides. Okay. So as your spirit guides enter, they have a gift for Jing. They have an energetic symbol they're going to place into her heart to take away all her pain, to transmute her fear and her negativity and the life she didn't, did not live into hope, into optimism, into happiness, into joy. So what is that energetic symbol they're gifting her? 
Some lotus flower. Mm -hmm. So see that lotus flower right now. They're placing it into her heart. And as soon as it's placed there, it blooms wide open, releasing a beautiful light that sips through her, her entire body. It dissolves away the loneliness, dissolves away the fear, dissolves away the disappointment, negativity. It just fills her up with hope, with trust, with joy. All qualities she so desperately sought in her lifetime. And now she's finally getting. And now she, as all her fear is being replaced with this joy, she starts laughing and you start laughing. And you open your arms wide and you take her into your embrace, hugging her, finally welcoming her home, reassuring her that she's now safe, that she's escaped finally. And now she gets to be free and live her life. And as you're doing that, feel her energy merging with your body. Feel your energies merging together as you're becoming one. As you're taking all her hopes, all her dreams, all her purpose, all her skills and desires, and you're embracing them into yours so that you both get to follow your dreams and your purpose. Meet friends. Have a normal life. Have an extraordinary life together. Thanking your spirit guides for supporting this process and taking Jing with you. I want you to feel yourself falling back into the beautiful garden right now, wiping away that past life memory and returning to the beautiful garden. Just sitting there very relaxed, breathing in, breathing out. In a moment, I will start counting from one to 10. And when I reach number 10, you'll be back on the 14th of April, 2020, feeling great. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep your eyes closed. You're now back on the 14th of April, 2020, feeling wonderful. Now I want you to start making small movements with your fingers and your wrists and your shoulders gently bringing yourself back into waking consciousness breathing in more deeply and intently move your head around a little bit and then when you're ready take a long deep breath in hold it smile Open your eyes and release. And then when you're ready, you can snap your fingers a few times just to like ground yourself. If you have some water, drink some water. You can stretch and come back to me. Okay. How was that? Yeah, it was good. It was very physical. Um, Oh, really? How so? More, more physical than visual for me. Mm. Um, 
my hands were like almost paralyzed um and I felt I felt like I wasn't really in my body that my body was frozen which was really interesting you went really deep into it I mean you could get like dates and names I usually ask those questions later on when you're really in it and you got like pretty accurate uh, information which is amazing so yeah. what 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 do you, what do you feel this past lifetime lifetime signifies for you in this present lifetime i guess if i really consider and reflect upon some of my imprinting that shows up it's like this fear of not fulfilling some purpose and like having it all having this amazing life making sure that <laughs> that i you know get to some destination which i'm not sure of what it is and really interestingly i hate being told what to do like <laughs> <laughs> truly <Julia. laughs> i know i know and i'm like that's such a leo thing but i hate being told what to do i hate being oppressed or feeling like i'm oppressed by somebody else's opinion or viewpoint and i've pretty much my whole life just done whatever i wanted to do um so that was quite interesting to kind of get that sense and feel like i'd had this life where i really definitely had no choice and i had a lot of oppression and i couldn't you know couldn't be this woman who's like the torchbearer and the trailblazer and that i was just confined to this role that i had to live in like a very a culturally strict environment. Yes. yes. So the truth is we are all the past lives we've ever had and it's all happening in the present moment. So all the past lifetimes we've had they create expectations for us that we bring into our present lifetime. And at the same time any traumas we experience in the past is influencing our present. So it, it sounds like you've had that expectation that oh my god other people would try to oppress me, to tell me what I'm going to do, so I'm going to try extra hard to be a rebel, to just ignore other people and move forward. So that is basically the it explains an aspect of you and helps you sort of heal it in some way so that you can still do what you want to do and follow your dreams just not feel this sense of oh i'm about to be oppressed so i need to try harder <laughs> yeah yeah definitely okay so is there what do you feel you transformed or healed as a result of this regression i guess it's kind of interesting because there's this part of me that wants to be this leader but also what that was showing me was how sometimes being so elevated above others actually really disconnects you from the community it's interesting because with me i i i i love like i've got my taurus moon so i love like fancy stuff i love like beautiful clothes and having a beautiful home and i have this part of me that wants the best of the best but equally i know that sometimes that can actually trigger other people and make them feel like you think you're better than them and almost devoid uh that more organic connection that you can have human to human which i also really crave as well as like having it all and being a leader so 
for me, I guess it was just highlighting this way of like you could reach that pinnacle of, you know, literally being a member of a royal family, but equally that's not going to bring you joy and connection. And it's about um, relating to humans in lots of different ways, learning from others, not necessarily being above others, but, you know, playing the many roles and having the different flavours of life and human connection. Um, So maybe what I'm taking away is like not having to always chase something you know you always chase trying to be the best I'm such a Leo like I want to be I don't want to just be like the top 10 I want to be like number one one. (laughs) like beat number two by like 10 miles so I hear you you know it's I guess it's that imprint of of who I am in a sense but what it's given me is like um this sense of like it's okay to just be regular sometimes (laughs) and you know what I feel Jing was a Leo as well. And, you know, she, she, she had everything that should have made her happy and yet she wasn't. And now she healed that aspect of hers. And now we, you reclaimed part of that soul into who you are right now. So now you get to have both. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so in the coming, so past life regression is a transformational thing in the coming days and weeks, even months and years, you'll still keep feeling the results and you'll still having a, like keep having like more aha moments and epiphanies that will help you transform like different parts of yourself as well. And you'll also start making connections between your childhood memory we did and also the, um, the in utero memory. So you'll start making connections. So be mindful of all that as they come up because uh, you'll be guided to like get even more out of it. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I loved it as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's always fun to just enter like different past lives and see what people are experiencing. And you gave me like so many different, uh, like if I were you, I would go to Google and search 471 AD and try and find rulers in central China. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You were 40 at this time, 42 you died, so you can start making connections. Amazing. (laughs) I will be immediately looking into this. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.